0: Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Batflip Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. An exciting show today. We are going to be covering Ian Happ, Shane Bieber, Archie Bradley, and Jurickson Profar, uh, which should be great. Uh, Adam Klepak, at Adam Klepak on Twitter, recommended Ian Happ. Shane Bieber and Archie Bradley after leaving a five-star rating and review, and then at Nikki Tapa 71 uh, requested Jurickson uh, Profar. And so, uh, thanks to both of you for the five-star rating and review, and thank you for choosing some really interesting uh, players. You may note something different about today's podcast. I am trying out a different microphone. We've had a couple folks mention. Uh, that they can kind of hear some of the ruffling of my other microphone uh, as I'm talking. And so uh, trying this out, let me know, uh, just uh, DM me or reply to uh, my tweets. Uh, Just let me know what you think of uh, the new audio, whether you prefer the old audio or the new audio. Uh, And depending on, on that response, we can either switch it up or uh, go back to what we were using previously. In addition, on today's podcast, we are also going to do a Reach Charles segment. It's actually going to feature new intro sound effects, courtesy of last week's guest, Andrew Matney, uh, who we talked about, about the origins of Reach Charles. This week's Reach Charles is an article by Alex Chamberlain, uh, Cham- Chamberlain uh, on Twitter, at Dolph Haldhagen, D o l p h h a u l d H-A-G-E-N. He's an awesome follow on Twitter. He did a pitch type summary for 2018 on Fangraphs that delves into the different pitch types and what league average is in terms of added ball outcomes uh, and uh, skills for those. So that's awesome. I'll go into it a little bit more detail, but definitely props on that. As I've mentioned from this point forward, um, folks who do leave a five-star rating and a review will get to select one player for an upcoming podcast. Going to try to start doing positional previews now that we are getting closer and closer to draft season. Uh, probably starting with the most boring position of catcher and moving on from there. Uh, but thank you to, so much to folks who are leaving five-star ratings and reviews. It just means a ton and it really helps us as um, you know as we get closer to the season. Uh, helps us with the algorithm that uh, iTunes podcast has. Hopefully allows the podcast to reach more people uh, as long as you uh, continue to find it helpful. So thank you so much for that. You can follow me on Twitter at batflipcrazy. Definitely the best place to reach me. Instagram at batflipcrazy. Facebook at batflipcrazyfantasy. Also on YouTube, just search for batflipcrazy. Put up a new YouTube video this week uh, going into how I use xstats.org to analyze pitchers and hitters. So check that out. And then the website is batflipcrazy.com. Ian Happ, Shane Bieber, Archie Bradley, and Jurekson Profar. Let's get this party started. First up on tonight's podcast, we are going to cover Ian Happ, outfielder and third baseman for the Chicago Cubs. As I mention often, having that dual eligibility is uh, a, a significant value for um, players in this day day and age of fantasy baseball, with the ten day DL, a lot of platooning, um, being able to move guys around in positions is really is is really valuable. Um, and so, it's not something where you you should take a player necessarily over another because of the dual eligibility, but it is a bonus. Uh, so think uh, think carefully about that as you construct your team. In the two early mock drafts, Hap was going at an average draft position of 176. That has fallen very far to an average draft position of 258 um, in the last month of NFBC drafts, minimum pick of 203, and a max pick of 301. So big discrepancy there uh, between this fall um, and early this draft season. 462 plate appearances um, after 413. Last year. Uh, So, plate appearances and playing time is going to be a major issue for HAP. Uh, The Chicago Cubs obviously have a pretty loaded lineup, and so, um, you know, HAP has a lot of competition with Chris Bryant coming back, uh, with Javi Baez clearly having an everyday role now with the team. uh, It's going to be challenging to find at bats for HAP. And so, I think that's one reason why he's fallen so far. And just one kind of little ding uh, among many as I will go through the profile that I see in terms of Hap. 233 batting average last year after 253 in his rookie season, but a 226 expected batting average. Last year he was at a 246 expected batting average, so we now have close to 900 plate appearances of about a uh, you know low 230s batting average from Hap. And one of the primary reasons for that is that he has terrible contact. And when I mean terrible contact, I mean terrible contact. Uh, 36.1% strikeout rate in 2018 after 31.2 in 2017. His overall contact rate was 14% below league average at 63.5%, 70.3% in-zone contact. Now, to give you a a sense of how low that is, Joey Gallo's in-zone contact this year was 72%. So Hap is 15% below league average in terms of his end zone contact, and that is a huge issue. And we'll see in the rolling average graphs, it's not, like a, it's not an issue where he struggled early in the season and then you know got better. Uh, he struggled late, too, with his, with his contact overall. So you see that huge K rate. I don't see that going anywhere unless the contact dramatically improves, and I mean dramatically. He also had a 362 BABIP last year. And he earned a high BABIP, um, for sure. The quality of batted ball is really strong when he does hit it. Uh, But, you know, even with that 362 BABIP, he had a 233 batting average. So uh, think a little bit about that uh, as you draft him. In OBP, he's stronger, 353 OBP this year, um, 348 expected OBP. That was after 328 last year. But I will also say, you know, while the strikeouts were certainly deserved based on the atrocious contact rate that Hap had, uh, the really high walk rate of 15.2% isn't really reflected in the underlying skills. Sure, he's got solid plate discipline, 26.7% O-swing this past year, but that's that's good, uh, bordering on very good, uh, if not very good, but it's not excellent it's not elite and a lot of times you see the guys with 15% walk rates those are your Joey Vados right who don't swing at anything outside the zone his swing percentage is down at 42.8% as well so again well below league average by about 4% but you know i don't think it deserves that 15.2% walk rate so i think even um, you know, in, in a year where everything regresses to the true talent level, that OBP is more likely to be closer to that 3.28 that we saw uh, in his first season, and a walk rate around you know 10 10% or so, as opposed to 15.2%. So I think that's two kind of strikes against Hap right off the bat: is that really poor contact rate that supports the really high strikeout rate, and then the um, even though he's known as kind of a solid. Uh, plate discipline guy. And he is a solid plate discipline guy. He's not a 15.2% walk rate. So just consider that, factor that in as you think about it. Uh, 56 runs last year, 12.1% runs per plate appearance. You'd expect a higher uh, runs per plate appearance with the solid OBP that he had. But again, we expect regression overall there um, with Hap. And, you know, I also don't think he's going to be somebody who bats at the top of the lineup for uh, the Cubs. He's much more likely to bat towards the end of the lineup when he's in the lineup, uh, and that is going to impact his runs scored. The power numbers is also uh, super disappointing um, for Hap. Hap hit 15 home runs in 2018 after 24 in 2017, 15.3 expected home runs, 21.2 expected home runs in 2017. The power production was a little disappointing for Hap. I mean, across the board, he was pretty disappointing for fantasy owners who had pretty high hopes for him this year. But the power, only 3.2% home runs per plate appearance. That's actually below league average, as was the expected home runs per plate appearance. Hard hit rate up at 38.3%, so above league average, but not necessarily uh, in the really, really good territory, the 40-plus. Uh, it was an improvement of 5% over last year. 39.6%, he's been around 40% the last two years around ground ball, so pretty solid there. Again, the batted ball quality, which we'll get to in the detailed batted ball profile, is is the best part of Hap's profile. Um, and so that'll, that'll become clear when we kind of look at that. But hard hit fly ball rate, 44% the last two years. Um, But a huge drop in hard hit pulled fly ball rate from 18.9% to 38.1%. That might help account for the decrease in uh, home run per fly ball of about 7%, 7 7.5%. So, and again, hard hit pulled fly balls are not um the year-to-year correlation is not very strong and so you know where he'll end up this year is anybody's guess barrels also down uh per plate appearance down to 5.8 percent, so only slightly better than league average 7.7 <coughs> percent last year so a decrease there so again the power metrics are solid but they're they aren't spectacular and i think a lot of people after 2017 were expecting Happ to be a really strong power hitter, and I think what we're seeing, at least in 2018, is that, you know, so far that isn't necessarily uh, the case. There's definitely, you know, home run, home run possibilities there, you know, t- but he we're talking with a full set of plate appearances uh, closer to, um, you know, low 20s than we are talking about 30 home runs. Uh, RBI per plate appearance, nine point five percent. So pretty low there. Uh, Roster resource does bat have him um, in the starting lineup for the Cubs, batting eighth. Uh, so he may have some RBI opportunities there, but batting eighth in a National League lineup is not ideal. Don't get a lot of good pitches to hit. Don't get driven in a lot uh, by that pitcher. So uh, something to consider moving forward as 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 we get closer to the season and. And the lineup maybe clarifies a little bit. 334 expected uh, WOBA on a 329 WOBA, so slightly better than league average. Uh, Eight stolen bases this year, uh, right around league average at 1.7% stolen base per plate appearance. uh, Slightly above league average at 7.2% stolen base opportunity percentage. Uh, after 9.2% in 2017. So that's two consecutive years with eight stolen bases. The one caveat I would put on that is he does have two consecutive years of a 66.7% stolen base success rate, so lower than league average and lower than the Magic 75% number that kind of makes it worth it to steal. And so whether or not that impacted uh, the decline in his stolen base opportunity percentage, Uh, We don't know, but that's something to consider. His speed also dropped by 1.1 feet per second from 28.8 feet per second, about two feet uh, higher than league average, to just about uh, 0.7 better than league average at 27.7. So, something to consider also is that the speed, you know, while he's stealing bases and there's nothing to show that he. Won't steal bases. He hasn't been that good of a base runner, and so whether or not he's able to replicate those eight stolen bases uh, remains to be seen. But again, you know, I think if he gets a full set of plate appearances, we're looking at 2010 probably, um, and not uh, you know um, the the 30-10 or 30-15 that I think some people had had hoped on. Let's take a look at the de- the detailed batted ball profile for Hap. Um, and this is where you know things do look um, pretty nice Um, pop-up rate is below league average at 17.6% you know and that's nice because he does hit more balls in the air than ground balls at least compared to league average and so it's nice to see that those are at nice launch angles Uh, 16.2% hard drive percentage so 5.4% better than league average two years consistently at 16.2% that's a very nice number again those are the high line drives low fly balls that tend to go for extra base hits and home runs so that's really nice and then when we look at the dribbler percentage it's also better than league average at 21.2 percent and we see that you know his poor hit percentage is only 16.9 percent, which is super low 25.5 percent is league average so well better than league average there but his value hit percentage is only slightly better than league average at 9.5 percent not in those double digits like we see with a lot of the guys um, who really hit the ball hard including hap last year at 11.1 so you know he's he's making quality contact overall but just not that elite contact that we tend to see from uh elite batted ball quality guys so just something to consider and i mentioned in the intro that you know hap's contact issues are not something that disappeared as the season progressed he started out very very low in the mid-60s in terms of in-zone contact, he peaked around um, at around uh, 78%, still well below league average for in-zone contact, and then at the end of the year, down again in his 40-game rolling average to the mid-60s. Again, worse than Joey Gallo. So as you think about Happ and you think about what he's bringing to the table, I think that's something that's really important to consider as we talk so much about how Gallo, you really need to construct your team around Gallo because... You know, of the batting average, you need to be able to compensate that for that earlier in the draft or later in the draft by getting batting average guys. Hap is pretty much bringing, you know, very very similar contact profile, if not worse contact profile. And in selecting a guy this late in the draft, you know, you don't necessarily want to, um, you know, he's obviously got some talent in terms of home runs and uh, and, and some speed, but I, I just would caution about the batting average. The batting average for is very, very low with Hap and even a huge increase, right? Like let's say he increased his in zone contact by, you know, five to 10%. He's still well below league average, you know? And so just something to be aware of, uh, ground ball rate, um, you know, peaked earlier in the season around 50%, but back down till towards 40% at the end of the year. His hard hit rate uh, plummeted towards the end of the year uh, from a peak of around uh, 47%, uh, the 40 games leading up to early August, and then just plummeted for the rest of the season all the way down to 30%. So something to be aware of there, whether that was, you know, injury or, or um, you know, what, it's just something to notice. The good news, though, is that the O-swing was... Uh, solid throughout the year, well below the, the two year trend line um, for him, ending the season around 25% in the rolling uh, average. And so that, um, that does bode well, but again, he did get lucky. So there's actually some really interesting comps going right around Hap. Uh, you know, Hap now, in the most recent ones since I, I first pulled the numbers, is, is an average draft position of 257. And so going around him are guys like Jake Bowers. 252. Um, you know, again, you know, Bowers has the same power speed profile. I might argue uh, more speed and potentially even more um, power than HAP, just based on the underlying metrics. So that's just something to, um, to think about. Also, dual eligibility. I'd take Bowers um, you know, pretty easily over HAP at this point in time. Uh, CJ Krohn, again, so a guy who can bring uh, more power than I think Hap has shown so far, at least in 2018. Uh, Josh Bell, you know, again, another kind of low 20s home run guy, but who's going to be much better positioned uh, from a lineup perspective uh, to contribute and is not going to hurt you in the same way in terms of batting average that Hap is. Max Kepler, a guy I love, love, love heading into this year, is going two picks uh, behind uh, Hap and Kepler has already demonstrated, you know, a similar profiles to Hap. Uh, I think, um, but you know, he's got the really high contact rate coupled with that uh, borderline elite plate discipline. So you know, you can kind of see, um, you know, some of the guys going around Hap. They they don't uh, spur confidence for me in Hap. I know that the pedigree is really nice, and we got a really good glimpse in 2017. Uh, of what he's capable of, but the contact is just such a limiting factor. I mean, I cannot say, explain how bad of a contact rate that is outside of saying it's worse than Joey Gallows. And so that's what you need to be thinking about with Hap is that the floor for batting average is very, very low. He's got a very bad um, position right now in in the the Cubs lineup, and I don't know how much of an opportunity there is going to be to move up given some of the guys... Um, who are in the lineup? But you know, if there was if there was better skills, I might be more confident. But uh, for me, Hap, you know, I understand people going for a twenty ten guy at this point in the draft. Um, I don't dislike that necessarily because the upside could be huge if he really turns things around. But I also think the floor for Hap is very low, and I think there's other guys going in this area, especially starting pitching. I love. Kind of around uh, pick 250 for starting pitching in draft. So I'm probably going to be passing on Hap, but you know that's kind of his profile. There is some power, there is some speed. Uh, this the underlying skills aren't uh, don't inspire confidence in those departments necessarily, and the average um, is low. But the pedigree um, you know hasn't changed. So um, that's Ian Hap. Next up, we have Shane Bieber, starting pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, and definitely somebody who is shooting up draft boards right now. He is a popular sleeper pick for just about anybody you talk to uh, based on his cameo uh, during last season. Well, I guess it's not a cameo because he had 19 starts, but uh, you get the 217 to early mock draft ADP. His NFBC ADP is up to 152 with a min pick of 121 and a max of 173 over the last month in 16 NFBC um, uh, draft, tramp- draft champions uh, drafts. And I anticipate that Bieber will continue to fly up draft boards um, for some of the reasons that are, are, I'll articulate here. I am not probably as much of a fan as uh, other folks um, you know, who are doing fantasy analysis, and, I, and I'll cover that. As I go through, I think he's one of the more, what I'll say, likable guys out of a group of pitchers that really got battered around uh, last year in terms of batted ball quality. And so I'll talk a little bit about why maybe Bieber can buck that trend, um, but why you know, I probably won't own many shares, if any, given the rising cost of having Bieber and some of my major concerns with his fastball and the batted ball quality that he gives up. I mentioned he had nineteen game starts one hundred ten uh, innings pitched have one hundred seventeen strikeouts uh, for nine point five seven uh, strikeouts per nine he had a twenty point seven percent k minus walk rate which is really strong twenty five point three percent k rate so better than league average by a few percentage points um the walk rate super low at 4.5 percent, and so that's why you see that K minus walk rate being so high, even though he doesn't necessarily have elite stuff from a strikeout perspective, at least yet. Um, he's got a really high K minus walk rate because he's got elite command and uh, not elite command, but elite control, um, and we'll get to that in one second. Uh, so swinging strike rate 11.6 percent, uh, better than league average. 10.1 uh, percent is the is league average for. Uh, starting pitchers in terms of swinging strike rate, Uh, so well above uh, league average. In-zone contact rate, though, 87.5%, slightly worse than league average. So when he does bring the ball in the zone, uh, folks are able to make contact. That's one of the areas uh, that I have some concerns about. Uh, Walk rate, 4.5%, as I mentioned. That is uh, really strong, and for good reason, 66.1% first pitch strike rate you know, about 5.5% better than league average. His O swing is also better than league average at 31.9%, percentage point better. And then his zone percentage is at 48%. So he's really throwing a lot of pitches in the zone. Um, And so he's around the plate a ton. Yeah, he reminds me a lot, and I and I mentioned this comp earlier in the season of Joe Musgrove. When Joe Musgrove came up, you know, he had these elite control metrics, but a lot of times when you have that elite control and you're over the plate a lot in, in the majors, you know, you tend to, when you miss, you miss in the plate and in the zone and hitters will take advantage of that. But obviously from a whip perspective, having that low walk percentage um, and from an ERA perspective, generally speaking, uh, that walk percentage is, is really strong. So the skills are really nice for Bieber. And I won't argue uh, the merit of the skills. I love the skills. I love you know, um, kind of the underlying metrics. And generally that's enough to convince me. But as we'll see in a second, I think there's some reasons to be concerned. Whip of 1.3. So even though he did have that low walk rate, he got hit a ton. Uh, 1.3 whip is not good. He had a 356 Babbitt. Now a lot of people will point to this and they'll say he had a 356 Babbitt and that is going to regress Uh, toward the mean and the average in baseball last year was 293 so that's a huge gap he probably had one of the worst babbitts if not the worst babbitt of a starting pitcher last year and so naturally you're you're you think that that's going to happen and there may be some regression but his expected babbitt was 342 and so this isn't necessarily a situation where Bieber was tremendously unlucky um, and he's gonna regress towards the 293. The batted ball quality that he was giving up was elite, and people were hitting him really hard, and unless he make changes to his, his approach, particularly his fastball, then you know I think he's gonna continue to see problems, and that's one of the reasons why I'm likely to stay away from him. We see that in the batted ball uh, profile, 10.5% soft hit rate. This is probably the lowest soft hit rate that I have seen of a starting pitcher. 18.1% is league average, so that's terrible. 43.3% hard hit rate. I don't put a ton of stock into hard hit rate for four pitchers, but 43.3%, that's very high. Uh, 35.3% is league average, so 8% higher than league average. So when you look at that discrepancy, I would venture to guess that his 33% uh, difference between hard and soft contact is probably the worst in baseball uh, from a starting pitcher perspective. 45.3% ground ball rate. He had a WOBA of 335. The expected WOBA was a 311, um, you know, and so uh, that is slightly better than fantasy relevant league average, but not much. So that's something to think about too. Uh, ERA 425. So even with that great strikeout minus walk rate, even with the elite uh, walk rate of 4.5%, he still has a 4.25 ERA with a 1.3 whip, and that's not going to help you. That's really going to hurt uh, your ratios especially since and this is something i talked about in a previous podcast is psychologically it's hard to let go of these guys right like your john greys where the skills uh, one of their pitches like john greys uh, slider it looks so good all the underlying metrics tell you they just are blinking and telling you regression's going to happen regression's going to happen so you stick with those guys i think a lot longer than you would stick with Other players who are struggling and you know largely for good reason because if if regression is going to happen you want to stick with guys right but I think there are certain players who uh, because of either a bad fastball a lot of times it's a bad fastball or for whatever reason you know the metrics indicate that you know they're getting hit hard but they're getting hit hard and they're they they deserve it Um, and so I think that's one thing that you have to be really cautious about with uh, drafting a guy like Bieber, uh, Nick Pavetta is another guy. Uh, John Gray, Chris Archer, guys like that will destroy your ratios because you'll stick with them longer because you're expecting regression to happen, and you just need to be able to track those metrics and make sure that you know if if they are struggling that the expected metrics, um, you know, the underlying batted ball quality uh, doesn't support uh, what they've been doing. If you're going to expect that regression, if it does support the bad, the, you know, the poor, the poor Babbitt, uh, the poor home run prefer, uh, to fly ball, things of that nature, then, you know, that is something that, um, you, you really need to be cautious with a uh, left on base percentage of 70.2%. You'll notice too, that, you know, the ERA was 425, but all of the ERA estimators are going to love him. Just like they also love guys that post really high Babbitt, uh and home run per fly ball rate, at least better than, you know, the ERA. So 296 FIP. 322 XFIP, 338 Sierra. So all of those ERA estimators, you know, and a lot of the um, uh, a lot of the projection models are going to have him pegged uh, closer to you know those ERA estimators as opposed to his ERA because they're going to expect you know a lot of improvement in the batted ball uh, quality. So just something to consider, and that's one of the reasons why I use the expected metrics is to really tell me whether you know this has been lucky or not. Uh, left on base percentage at seventy point two percent. That is uh, worse than uh, league average of seventy two point eight percent. So that's that's might be an area where I'd expect a little bit improvement. But again, when you have a high BABIP, you know that's what ends up happening. Home runs thirteen, only eleven point five expected home runs. Um, so he did get a little unlucky there. Ten point six percent home runs per fly ball. His expected home run per fly ball was eleven point one percent. So better than league average. So he's not necessarily giving up uh, the power, uh, which is good. Uh, Only uh, 0.9 home runs per nine. That is really good. He's really getting babbipped, you know, and again, he deserved that. Uh, But something to consider, 24 barrels, 5.2 barrels per plate appearance. So essentially, he's giving up a higher than league average barrels per plate appearance uh, to batters. That is not good. Um, at all let's take a look at his um, the detailed batted ball profile and this really tells us the story of where he struggled so he doesn't get popups 14 point six percent pop-ups that's three point four percent below league average for pop-ups again those are the atom automatic outs those are the Babbitt suppressors. He does not get them he's got a very low rate of those uh, fly flyballs uh, or hard drives twelve percent so he's worse than league average at giving up the best type of batted ball. Uh, by 1.2%. So that's really important uh, to note as well. Um, Dribbler percentage, 21.6%, 3% below league average. So the two areas where you really suppress BABIP are the dribblers and the pop-ups. And he's worse than league average for a pitcher on those metrics. And so that's one of the reasons why you're seeing him have an expected BABIP of 342 um, and I think those are the things that he's going to need to change. And I'm going to get into his pitch splits in a second, but you know, there's some change that needs to happen, and, and I just don't know whether he's going to be able to do it. Uh, K-walk minus rate is great. Value hit percentage, 9.3%, so right around league average, slightly uh, better. Then poor hit percentage is slightly uh, worse than league average. So let's take a look at the pitch splits. There are some beautiful things in here. So um, you know, the slider... The slider skills, at least. So, from a from a, from let, well, let's just take it with WRC plus, and this is where it gets really concerning for me. So the four seam fastball had a WRC plus of one forty four. So hitters lit him up. Three seventy five BABIP on that pitch, an eight sixty three OPS, a six a three sixty nine wOBA against that pitch. So you know, that is a huge red flag for me. Um, You're going to need to see some considerable improvement in that pitch if he's going to be successful, at least if he continues to throw that a decent amount. And when we look at the underlying metrics too, and in the uh, Reach Charles, I'm going to talk about Alex Chamberlain article that he put out that have, um, you know, pitch type uh, league averages. I think that's a really great article to read. Take a look at that. But for four-seam fastball, Bieber's forcing fastball had a four point nine percent swinging strike rate, which is about half of the league average of nine percent swinging strike rate on a forcing fastball. It also doesn't get folks to chase outside the zone at eighteen percent, so way below uh, league average there. Uh, and the in zone contact rate is at ninety point four percent, so borderline um, elite right there. So the forcing fastball is a very very bad pitch for Bieber. And if he's going to get better, then he's going to need to improve that. When we take a look at his slider, it had a WRC plus of eighty, WOBA of two seventy two, a BABIP of three twenty nine. Um, you'll see this with his curveball to eighty five WRC plus, a BABIP of three twenty. His changeup, not a very good pitch, one sixty two WRC plus, three ninety four WOBA. Um, you know, and so with all three of those pitches, they all have a high BABIP. Now again, you know, um, on a pitch by pitch basis, I'm not sure whether that um, whether that works out in terms of the what we would expect on those pitches from the batted ball quality. But when we look at uh, overall, the expected BABIP of three forty two was under the three fifty six BABIP. But that three forty two is still incredibly high and will be very problematic uh, for um, his whip. Uh, and his ERA, if he doesn't change, some, uh, change things. Now there is beauty in this profile and the slider and the skills underlying that slider are beautiful, 26.2% swinging strike rate, 52.9% O swing, 79.2% Z contact, and he can throw it in the zone too at 44.5%. So that slider from a skills perspective is incredibly elite. That is an awesome, awesome, awesome pitch, but again, the slider did get hit around when folks make contact with it. Twenty-five percent line drive rate, um, on the pitch, you know. uh, So, and the and the woba, you know, again, two seventy-two, so not terrible, but three twenty-nine Babbitt, eighty WRC plus, so it's still a plus pitch. Don't get me wrong. And the skills are wonderful, and so they may improve as he gets uh, more time. Um, hopefully, he starts to throw that pitch uh, even a little bit more uh, than he already is, um, and and that would be great. The curveball, fourteen uh, point five percent swinging strike rate, forty point six percent O swing. That is also uh, a solid pitch. Um, you know. So there's there's things to like in the arsenal, and I think that's what people are going to point to, and for good reason. I mean, that slider, the skills on the slider are incredible. But that four-seam fastball is a huge issue. It is a terrible, terrible pitch. Don't let t- anybody tell you anything otherwise. It's a really bad pitch, and so it's really going to be hard for him, unless he develops some other pitch, um, you know, to get to get by just with that slider and that curveball without having the batted ball quality issues that we had seen. Now the skills did improve over his last 10 games, swinging strike rate up to 12%. O swing up to um, 32.2%. First pitch strike up to 68.9%, but still getting, you know, contact in the zone um, for sure. Um, Let's take a look at uh, his slider usage. Uh, So pretty stable. Uh, over the course of the year, right around 23%, so about quarter of his pitches. So he's throwing it at a decent amount. Uh, the curveball, uh, he's thrown about 17% and very consistent as well. Um, and so he is throwing that fastball a ton. Uh, it's close to um, uh, it's 56.5% over his last 10 games of his pitches. And again, that is a really, really bad pitch. And so that, I think, is what we need to think about when we're thinking about Bieber is... The, he's got some really great underlying metrics. The swinging strike rate is nice. There's room for improvement with some of the underlying pitches that he has in his pitch mix. Um, there's a lot going for him. He's pitching in Cleveland. He's pitching against poor quality opposition in the AL Central. Again, another thing to like. He's throwing for Cleveland, and Cleveland is probably the best team in the league at developing pitchers, I mean, j- especially pitchers without very good fastballs. Just look at Carlos Carrasco. Look at Mike Clevenger. Uh, those are guys, I mean, even, even Corey Kluber for, you know, uh, well, that's not historical, but you know, so there, there are guys without good fastballs, um, who they've made successful, but I just don't know if they've had as bad a fastball as Bieber showed in his first year. Again, there's going to be opportunity to improve, but, um, that's just something to say. Let's take a look at who's going on, uh, going around Bieber, Nick Pavetta. Uh, is right in front of him i think nick pavetta and shane bieber are very similar i think shane bieber is a better pitcher the slider is better um and so i would take bieber over pavetta uh, in this particular instance but bieber pavetta archer those are guys who are my do not draft list almost because i really worry because guys like that you do tend to stick with them i think a little bit longer and they just will destroy your ratios because the whip will be uh, super high you know, they oftentimes throw a lot of innings, like their position in the, in the rotation isn't necessarily up up for grabs. Um, and so uh, I just caution about drafting um, guys like that. Uh, J.A. Happ uh, going around him. I have not done a deep dive of J.A. Hap, but Cole Hamels ahead of him um, as well. Hamels is a guy who, you know, um, I took a look at uh, last year, early on in the year with Texas, the underlying metrics actually weren't that bad and they improved significantly. went to the cubs i'd much rather take eduardo rodriguez um, for the red sox there's some really intriguing skills there kyle freeland has his own issues um you know just in terms of what he was able to do last year and whether it's sustainable i have not done a deep dive there you know you darv Drivish, andrew heaney's also kind of a babbit guy too i really don't like a lot of the pitchers going in this area to be honest with you i like uh, erod i like tyler glass now Uh, as a guy as well. So I would definitely take Glass now over Bieber, I think. Um, You know, so you can see that uh, Bieber is, you know, you can see why people are really excited about him because of the skills, because of the metrics, because of that nasty, nasty slider. But again, I'm very hesitant to go get these guys until they have shown that they can limit the batted ball quality against them. If they can, then, you know, the sky's the limit. But just like John Gray and Chris Archer before them, every single year people look at them and they say, "Man, the skills are nasty." Man, Archer slider's nasty. Although Bieber's is nastier. Um, Man, Archer slider's nasty. Man, Gray's slider's nasty. And we keep on going back to the well, and 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 it's been brutal for folks. And so for me, I want to see a guy succeed in terms of batted ball quality first. Let the ex- follow the expected metrics on these guys. Um, don't necessarily believe that a lot of regression is going to happen until you see that batters aren't making the type of quality they've made against Bieber before. So that's Shane Bieber, a guy I really, really want to like, but I think a guy that I'm probably going to group into a group of pitchers I'm not drafting because of the danger uh, of them just getting hit around too much because of the bad fastball. Next up, we are going to cover the first closer of the podcast, and that is Archie Bradley. I'm going to do things a little bit differently because I only have spreadsheets right now for hitters and starting pitchers. I actually don't have them for relief pitchers, so I'm going to dive into the numbers a little bit differently. Uh, Generally, the same process, but um, I'm not going to have my trusty spreadsheet in front of me, so I'm just going to... I'm not going to wing it, but uh let's 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 dive in uh, you can you can let me know what you think about it uh so Archie Bradley uh, has pretty much been named uh, the closer uh, for the Diamondbacks heading into next year. Uh, Lavulo mentioned towards the end of the year that he would be uh, the closer. Uh, I have never been a fan of Archie Bradley uh, even when he was successful in 2017 because the skills are really not the skills of a closer at least what I want to see in a closer that I have. Last year, 71 innings pitched after 73 in 2017. ERA jumped up to 3.64 after 1.73 in 2017. Uh, the FIP pretty much agreed with that 364 with a 371. A 1.14 whip, 104 whip in 2017. Uh, compared to most closers, he does not strike out a ton of guys. 25.3% strikeout uh, percentage K minus rock rate of 18.6%. These are all going to be low compared to other, uh, you know, elite closers. And most closers that are going to get a shot are probably going to have better numbers than or underlying skills than Bradley will. The big issue for me, and, and you would have seen me last year, I was a big Brad Boxberger guy. Um, and I was a big bad Brad Boxburger guy heading into, uh, last season because, Bradley really doesn't have the skills to be a closer. I just I just don't think he does. The swinging strike rate last year was at 10%, which is well below league average for closers, let alone relief pitchers. It fell down to 9% this year. So he's got a below league average swinging strike rate as a closer. Now his um, metrics and his Z contact is also about league average. So again, so you know, when you look at that, like he's not striking out a lot of guys, he's giving up a lot of contact compared to other uh, relievers, and and that raises concerns um, for me big time. Uh, he did improve his, um, his walk metrics, 67.6% uh, uh, first pitch strike rate, so getting ahead of hitters, 47% um, in the zone. Uh, his walk rate did uh, decrease about half a point down to 6.8%. Uh, so nice there that he's not really walking a ton of guys. His O swing was at 32, uh, 31.2% uh, for the year, which is better than last year at 28.5%. So some positive movement in the uh, control metrics, but again, the strikeouts are really going to limit his value from my perspective. Um and one of the reasons why they're going to be really limited is when you take a look at um, his uh, his pitchments. He just does not have a knockout pitch that you generally see from a closer. The highest swinging strike rate he had on a pitch that he threw uh, a decent amount of times last year was his sinker at 13.2%. His curveball only gets 8.3% swinging strike rate. His forcing fastball only 8.9%, and both get well below league average. O swing, 25.6% and 23.1%. So he can't get folks to chase outside the zone and he's not generating whiffs and they make a ton of contact in the zone. Uh, That is not a recipe for success in the closer role. Now he did throw that sinker and it did have some really nice um, uh, skills on it, at least for a sinker, 13.2% swinging strike rate, 79.5% Z contact, 42.4% O swing. So if he starts to throw that more and it maintains that those skills, um, that would be great. I would caution that, though. It's a 144-pitch sample, and so he did not throw that pitch uh, you know, that frequently. So just uh, think about that as you as you consider um, Archie Bradley. Let's take a look at what the expected uh, stats say about Bradley. Uh, so last year, um, he had a, uh, a BABIP of 282, uh, and a 289 expected BABIP, so he actually got a little lucky on that BABIP. And again, remember he's putting a ton of balls in play uh, for a closer. He gave up nine home runs on 7.9 expected home runs, uh, so a little bit of uh, luck there. A 287 uh, expected weighted on base average, which may sound uh, really good because we've been talking about starting pitchers a lot, but that's not that good uh, for. Uh, for a reliever. And when we look at his detailed batted ball profile, uh, below league average pop ups. So that's not good for the BABIP. He does generate uh, 2% better than league average in terms of his dribbler percentage, 26.4%, but he also gives up about a league average hard drive rate, 10.7%. So he's, he's you know right around league average when you combine dribblers and pop ups, um, and he's giving up league average hard drive percentage. That again is not something that I want to see uh, from, uh, my closer. Uh, I don't want them to be giving up a quality contact and I want them to be generating poor batted ball quality. And again, you know, relievers are just a totally different ball game when it comes to, uh, the underlying skills and Bradley doesn't even comp well against starting pitchers in a lot of these metrics. So, you know, that the biggest thing for me, when I'm looking at a closer is looking at the swinging strike rate, you know the control metrics because what I'm really looking for is a guy who's going to generate a lot of Ks, not allow a lot of balls in play, um, and not not give a lot of guys free passes. Now you can't always get that when you're looking at closers, uh, so but those are kind of the go tos for me in terms of the skills. And Bradley just does not um, have them. You know he's got the one year where he had a 173, um, you know ERA, uh, but you know he had a 302 BABIP. Uh, expected BABIP uh, when he had that really low ERA and only a 2.76 BABIP, so he was able to get uh, lucky last year in having that career season, and a lot of that is what we base his value on. He only gave up four home runs last year, 6.3 expected home runs. You know his expected woba was only 280, so very similar to 287 last year. So again, don't think of 2017 Archie Bradley when you're thinking about the value. Think about the underlying skills, and I would caution people um, from buying in on them. Um, so we talked about the pitch mix, you know, not being uh, generally that good. I mean, the WRC plus is okay on the pitches from an outcome perspective: 94 on the four seam, 98 on the curveball, 58 on the sinker. But again, like he doesn't have that one dominating pitch uh, with the metrics that we want to see. He's getting a lot of good outcomes maybe on balls in play, but you know that's, that's something that can change very, very uh, easily. Uh, when we look at the 15-game rolling average for Bradley, uh, the swinging strike rate down at 7.7% over his last 15 games uh, in 2018. The O swing down at 25.5%. The, the first pitch strike is going up, but so is the Z contact, right, about league average um, as well. So there was a period of time where he he, he had a 13.7% swinging strike rate over 15, uh, his last 15 games. If he were able to get up to that and be able to sustain that for a consistent period of time, I might change my tune on him. But again, he's down shortly after that, down to 7.7% for a swinging strike rate. Let's take a look at where... Um, Bradley is going. Uh, he's going around pick 194 right now. So you're drafting him over guys like Rich Hill. Uh, Will Smith and Alex Colomay Colum- are good comps, both guys who I would take ahead of Bradley, although Col- Colum may, you know, put a question mark on that until closer to the season when we have a better sense of how he um, and, uh, and Kelvin Herrera... Uh, who's going to get the closing job there. But again, Will Smith is a guy with a closing job right now uh, who I would take over him um, pretty uh, pretty quickly. Arrodis Vizcaino, if he's got the closer's job, is a guy that I would take over him as well. Um, you know, so I'm just staying away like from Bradley. I mean, some of the guys that are going around here, Marcus Semien, Kevin Gaussman, Yuli Gurriel, Jose Martinez, Luke Voigt, Jose Quintana, not necessarily a guy I love, but um, Paul De Jong, uh, Ryu, Jorge Polanco, Willie Adamas, Carlos Santana. You know, these are all guys like I would not reach and get Bradley here, even though he's got access to saves. I really don't see him being successful. Um, You know, he may be a guy who accumulates saves uh, with, you know, kind of blah, ERA, and whip. But I don't want to necessarily um, bet on that. And so I, I'm i probably going to stay away from Bradley uh, heading into this year. He's just not a profile that I like. Um, as a closer, uh, he does have access to saves. He'll probably get a decent leash under Lavulo. So that is definitely something to consider. But I want I want more Ks. Um, I, I just want better skills uh, from my closer. And Archie Bradley doesn't have that. Next up, we have Jerickson Profar, third baseman, shortstop, and second baseman for the Oakland A's. Again, that that multi-position eligibility for Profar is um, a really nice bonus. Uh, Being able to play him at all those different positions uh, with today's landscape is is definitely a benefit to owning him. Uh, Two early mock drafts, he went at an average draft position of 153. Uh, In the last 16 NFBC Draft Champions League drafts, uh, he's got an average draft position of 122 uh, with a minimum pick of 99 and a maximum pick of 165. Uh, Profar's average draft position has been dropping a little bit recently. I wouldn't be surprised in some standard leagues if he drops a little bit, just because in draft champions leagues... Uh, multi-position eligibility is a little bit more beneficial uh, since you draft 50 guys and being able to kind of plug in a guy in three different locations uh, to compensate for injuries when you can't get a guy off the waiver wire is beneficial. I'm gonna focus most of my analysis on this year since it's really been uh, since 2016 that Profar had uh, any longevity in terms of a stint in the majors. He had 594 plate appearances last year with the Rangers. Two fifty-four batting average. He was a little unlucky on that with a 270 expected average, uh, which isn't surprising. He had a 14.8% strikeout rate, really nice contact rates, 82.8% overall, 90.1% in the zone. So really supporting uh, that very low strikeout rate. He has never had really good BABIPs, which is a little bit surprising given the profile. A 269 BABIP uh, this year, a little bit of lack of luck in that BABIP Uh, though given the the difference between average and expected average. Uh, OBP 335, OBP 349 uh, expected. Uh, This is a little surprising because um, this is the one area where we saw some major regression from Profar uh, was in his plate discipline, 32.4% O-swing, so 1.5% worse than league average after posting around 23% O-swing uh, in his two, in his about 400 plate appearances uh, uh, in the majors before that. Uh, he also swang, uh, swung a lot more aggressively, 48.4%, but still had a 9.1% walk rate. So if he continues uh, that type of plate discipline, I would not anticipate that high of a walk rate. That should be a below league average walk rate, league average being about 8.5%. So maybe around 8 to 7.5% if he maintains uh, those uh, skills that he showed last year. Uh, runs per plate appearance uh, 13.8%, 82 uh, runs. He is scheduled to bat second in the A's lineup, which is not a bad place to be from a run scoring perspective. Uh, he's going to have uh, Matt Chapman, Chris Davis, Matt Olson, Stephen Piscotti batting after him. So, a really solid middle of the lineup. I really like him from a run scoring perspective. Heading into this year, and hopefully on the A's, Um, since he won't be as relied on, I think, as like a middle of an order bat, which is kind of funny to think about, thinking about Profar. But last year, that's really what he was for the Rangers. Maybe when he goes back to that number two spot, uh, it can help him, or at least the A's approach can really help him Uh, get that plate discipline to where it's been historically in his career Uh, 20 home runs last year which was really surprising 15.5 expected home runs so there was a good amount of luck in that according to the expected stats that would drop his home runs per plate appearance from about a league average 3.4 percent to 2.6 percent his hard hit rate jumped 11 percent from Uh, last year, 37.3%, so slightly better than league average, right around league average ground ball rate at 44%. Home run per fly ball was at 13.2%, but the expected home run per fly ball was more at 10.3%, and we see why. League average hard hit fly ball rate at 37.1%. His hard hit pulled fly ball rate, though, was at 46.4%, which helps elevate that home run per fly ball rate, and he's had that in two of his three stints in the big league, so maybe that is a skill Uh, that he owns. And if it does, then that's really going to help him out a lot. The drop though, in terms of uh, park factors for um, Profar moving to the Oakland Coliseum um, is just, it's not going to help him in the home run department. And so I definitely don't anticipate that he will recreate that uh, home run per plate appearance rate that he had. Uh, last year barrels 22 a 3.7 percent barrels per plate of appearance so once again below league average i think this is the one area where i was a little disappointed in diving into the skills on profar i really like the profile at least the balance of stolen bases and home runs and overall production that he put up last year with the possibility of an increase in batting average but i really i really think that you know we're not going to see the home run uh production uh, continue at the same rate. I think there was a lot of luck involved uh, for Profar, just giving the underlying metrics and skills, and um, you know the uh, uh, just that expected home run gap is is pretty sizable from twenty to fifteen point five. So he's really relying on that hard hit pull five ball rate to be high uh, to generate those home runs. And I'm just it doesn't have a very high year to year correlation. RBI thirteen percent seventy seven. He should be okay in this department, I think, with the A's and an American League lineup Uh, batting second. Maybe see a little bit of a dip there uh, to right around league average, but again, solid production uh, there. Uh, he had 10 stolen bases, uh, which was right around a league average stolen base per plate appearance at 1.7%, and he was 100% successful in those stolen bases. So that's a really good sign. He actually did have a below-league average stolen base opportunity percentage at 4.3%. Uh, whether or not that will continue as well with the A's, I'm not sure. He's not particularly fast at 27.6 feet per second. That's slightly better than league average. So really, um he... Uh, He demonstrated really strong base running skills uh, last year with that 100% stolen base success rate. Whether or not he's going to be able to continue that, I'm not sure, but uh, that is pretty solid. I would expect maybe some decline in the stolen base attempts, just given that he's going to an Oakland A's lineup with the type of batters like Matt Chapman, uh, Chris Davis, Matt Olson behind him, uh, they may not uh, risk him uh, stealing bases uh, as much. So something to think about right there. When we think about overall, a slight improvement in batting average to slightly better than league average, I would anticipate. I really like the run potential this year uh, for Profar. Again, the play discipline was headed in the wrong direction, but if he can uh, focus on that as something to get it get better at uh, in the upcoming year, then that would really help out a lot with the guys he's got mashing uh, behind him. It'll be key to, to to look at where he is batting, though, because Matt Chapman bats batted second a lot, so it's also possible that Profar could be dropped a little bit further down the order. So something to look to, to think about uh, as the season approaches. I think from a home run perspective, you know, I would bank on um, you know something around uh, the 15 uh, that he hit last year. I think that's much more likely. Uh, Then the 20 mark, again, uh, depending on the number of plate appearances that he's able to generate. And I think the RBIs will be okay, Um, you know, not not great. Uh, And then the stolen bases, you know, I wouldn't necessarily bet on double digits. Uh, Maybe anticipate, you know, 5 to 8, something in that range uh, for uh, Profar moving forward. When we take a look at his detailed batted ball profile, right around league average pop-ups, his hard drive rate, Um, also well below league average by 2.5%. That's another reason why I'm not uh, huge into believing that the power is going to return at the same level it did last year for Profar and then dribblers right around league average. His poor hit percentage was higher than league average by about 3% and his value hit percentage was right around league average. So for that reason, about a 300 Babbitt expected Babbitt this year. So he did have a, a 31 point difference between his BABIP and his expected BABIP. So I do think that there's room for growth in that batting average because of the contact skills. If he can hit, you know, uh, a few more uh, balls at better launch angles, I think that will help him out um, moving uh, forward. When we look at his 40-game rolling average, uh, Profar is actually a guy that I profiled towards the middle of last year because of a surge in hard contact um, and the really great – contact skills there was a decrease in the contact skills into the high 80s for his z contact towards the end of the year, and that also aligned with a with a dramatic increase in his o swing so that raises a little bit of a yellow flag for me there uh, his ground ball rate um, you know also uh, slightly elevated towards that period of time though the hard hit rate um, was was elevated around forty five percent too so you know a little bit of a concern there for me in the decreasing uh, Contact skills coupled with the, with the erosion in plate discipline towards the latter half of last year, even though it did coincide with a better quality of batted ball from a hard hit rate perspective. So overall for Profar, I think where he's going is about right. He's actually a guy I'm really intrigued to see if he starts to drop. Uh, he has been dropping recently in NFBC leagues. And so I'm curious to see if he can get closer to like the three, the 140, 150 range. I might have a little bit more interest. Um, when we look at the guys that he's going around, Nelson Cruz, Michael Brantley, A.J. Pollock, Eloy Jimenez, Shohei Otani, Will Myers, Justin Turner, Aaron Hicks, Edwin Encarnacion, R- Robinson Cano, man, that is just a really solid point of time in the draft. Uh, four hitters, some really good values uh, that are happening here, and so with that in mind, I think um, you know Profar. He's probably not a guy I'm taking here, but I think if trends continue, he'll fall a little bit in drafts, and he may be an interesting source of just you know steady, balanced, uh, balanced production, which which is um, you know which is really helpful, um, uh, you know, in in fantasy leagues. That balance is is just. Ideal, I would say there are some yellow flags there, though, in the contact uh, and O-swing uh, chase rate that we have here. Um, when we take a look, look at the steamer projection, let's take a look at it. 258, 60, 16 home runs, 73 runs, 70 RBI, 8 stolen bases, and 616 play appearances. Definitely take the over on the runs if he's batting second at least. But I think overall that line uh, is pretty fair uh, for Profar. So that's in Profar, a multi-position eligibility guy uh, for his new team, the Oakland A's. Reach Charles! Reach! In today's Reach Charles, I am going to highlight an article that was put out by uh, Alex Chamberlain uh, at Dolph Haldhagen uh, on Twitter, a must follow for folks uh, who uh, want to win in fantasy baseball. This is actually the second time that I've uh, promoted one of uh, Alex's articles as a reach Charles, but it's, it's so worthy of it. What he does is take a look in 2018 uh, at pitch types and he provides a summary of what the skills, what league average skills and batted ball outcomes are uh, for each different pitch type. Because a lot of times we'll we'll talk about an overall swinging strike rate, you know, like he had a swinging strike rate of 11.5% or, and then we'll look and we'll say, oh, well his slider has a 14% swinging strike rate. That's better than league average. That's awesome. But really we need to be comparing apples to apples and not apples to oranges. And we do that by figuring out, okay, what is a league average performance of a changeup? Or what is the league average performance of a slider? And he provides a lot of the indicators here. So he provides batted ball outcome uh, data, so a league average for change ups, curves, cutters, forcing fastballs, sinkers, sliders, and splitters. So for instance, a splitter has the highest ground ball percentage, fifty three percent. Uh, whereas a four seam fastball has the lowest one at 34%. Uh, the highest outfield fly ball percentage is also the four seam, not surprisingly. And the lowest one is the splitter and the sinker, which isn't necessarily surprising either. Then he provides the babip as well. Um, and, you know, he comes to some really uh, great conclusions and, and things that I mentioned before, things like get rid of your sinker. There's like four pitchers in all of baseball that should be throwing a sinker. And so many pitchers would be so much better if they did just ditch the sinker. I just put up a a tweet about um, Robbie Erlin, who's going really late, uh, who's a really interesting pitcher for me. But he throws a sinker, and it's by far his worst pitch. And he throws it a decent amount. It's, it's, I think, the second most common pitch he throws. It's just like, get rid of that sinker. Your performance improved as you faded that sinker. Just eliminate it. Uh, So he goes through all of these things. And my favorite is just the swinging strike rate by pitch. So the highest swinging strike rate is the splitter at eighteen percent, followed by the chain, uh, the slider at seventeen percent, and the changeup at sixteen percent, curve at thirteen percent. So as you look into the dive into p- uh, pitch splits like on Fan, uh, Fan Graphs. If you go to Fan Graphs and then you go to splits and you go to pitch splits and you choose all, you can take a look at all of the pitch splits for every single year in a variety of different categories. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and take a look at the plate discipline metrics for each one of those pitches. This is really. You know the bread and butter for pitcher analysis. I think is looking to identify exactly what pitches are in the pitcher's arsenal and how good they are. And these are the these are really the metrics that Alex shares in this article that you want to be comparing them to. So if say if a guy's got a twenty percent swinging strike rate on his changeup, that is nasty. Whereas if he's got a you know a twelve percent cha- uh, swinging strike rate on the changeup, uh, not so good. Uh, At the same time, if he has a 12% swinging strike rate on his four-seam fastball, that's awesome because 9% is league average. So just check out the article. It's on Rotographs. It's really, 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 really good. And he also provides at the end, he puts in a little caveat, and I've noticed this too. A lot of folks uh, on this podcast included will share the pitch value, uh, the weighted uh, pitch value uh, for pitches. Like we'll say a positive pitch value of uh, such and such. And I've actually been getting away from that a little bit. I always put the caveat in there that these are, they're outcome-based metrics. So it's based on what happens on a pitch. You know, it, it um, it's based on whether it's a ball or a strike. Um, it's based on whether it's a hit or not a hit. Um, and so those aren't necessarily what, what I'm as interested in. I'm much more interested in the skills, right? The swinging strike rate, the O swing, the Z contact, the zone percentage of different pitches. And so I definitely you know, uh, look at pitch values, especially when they're extreme, but just know, uh, have that caveat in your mind that they're outcome-based and not to look exclusively at that. Look more at, uh, you know, the skills uh, that the pitch has. Uh, Look at, you know, um, some of the the broader outcomes, like WRC Plus is one that I go to a lot, uh, just because it's telling you, you know, how batters did at a league average rate on that pitch. And then investigate the underlying skills to see whether those align up and then take a look at expected metrics for the pitcher like we did with shane bieber earlier to find out whether those expected metrics are generally supporting the batted ball quality that's happening take a look at the expected stats detailed batted ball profile things like that so this article from alex it's called pitch type performance colon 2018 summary definitely check this out on rotographs literally put a bookmark on it so that every time you're delving into those pitch types you can take a look memorize it you will be a better fantasy player as a result of that and then follow uh uh, alex on twitter Uh, send him a thank you for producing such quality content it is always 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 appreciated so that's today's reach charles That is going to wrap us up for episode 53 of the Bat Flip Crazy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Ian Happ has some major, major contact issues, but still, you know, there's that little glimmer of hope in that home run and stolen base uh, possibilities. Shane Bieber, a guy who folks are probably a lot higher on than I am. I'm just way too concerned about the batted ball quality and that fastball. Archie Bradley... Another pitcher that I'm probably not going to be targeting in drafts this year. The skills just aren't closer worthy. And then Jurickson Profar, a balanced profile. Whether that balance tilts positive or negative, I think will depend on whether he can make uh, those adjustments in terms of his plate discipline uh, and get that contact rate back well above uh, league average. I mean, it's it's better than league average, but it, it used to be uh, Elite. So, really interesting podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, go to iTunes, your preferred podcast platform. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave a nice review. Always appreciate it. Exciting times. Getting closer to draft season. I mention it every single time, but each day is a step closer. You can follow me on Twitter, at BatflipCrazy. That is the best place to reach me. Best of luck with your fantasy baseball research. Take care, and be kind to one another.